With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show as we are in the middle of spring break, so not a lot going on. I mean, coaches are on their own little vacations right now. Uh, Players are off campus, so uh, not a ton, obviously, uh, of real breaking stuff to get to this week. Uh, Husker baseball on the road as well in California this weekend uh, and a big series with Cal Poly this weekend. But I wanted to start off our show here today uh, with the latest addition Nebraska's made to their coaching staff. Robin Watchett and Nate Klaus here joining me later. We'll be joined by Matt Reynolds and our Oscar line intern. But uh, Nebraska makes another kind of personnel behind-the-scenes addition to the coaching staff here this week. Scott Booker, um, a former Notre Dame special teams coordinator and tight ends coach that was fired in December by Brian Kelly, has been brought on to be a special teams consultant. And, you know, what does that mean? It, it's hard to really – get an answer on that because we haven't talked to Mike Riley yet but um, you know a lot of things come to my mind Bob Diaco Bob Elliott have obviously really come to bat uh, to bring him on this staff he worked with both of them at Notre Dame Uh, Bruce Reed as we know was fired so there still is really not truly a special teams guy on this staff other than uh, Reed's assistant from a year ago um, who was a GA so this gives them kind of another special teams guy or could this be uh, the 10th coach on the staff here when that rule gets passed, whether it's in May or January. A lot of us thought it was Tavita Thompson. Um, so this is an interesting hire, uh, but it, I think it shows that Nebraska is in this for the big time. They're, they're not running this as a nickel and dime operation. When you're bringing in coaches that made two $300,000 to bring in um, as consultants that tells you robin that um they're they're doing things at a pretty high level right now yeah i mean you got to do things like this to compete with the best of the best and uh, nebraska is willing to do it this is a a clear example of kind of the change in mentality you know i mean uh just all the recent moves that this athletic department has made to bolster the football program i think it's just showing you that they're they're doing everything it's going to take and uh i guess any addition you can make from that 2012 notre dame defense is probably going to be a good thing uh, that was one of the well better... he wasn't on the defensive staff he was a full-time assistant in 2012 he, he was a tight ends coach well okay but anyway you get, a, you get a coach from that staff that knows the inner workings of what bob diaco and bob elliott want to do um they have a great relationship you know and have a lot of experience coaching together so just having another voice um, that is familiar with with just kind of the, the inner workings, um, you know, of Bob Diaco. I think is going to be invaluable, and just you know having another guy with that type of experience to bring, um, you know, his his input, his experience, and his ideas to the table is going to do nothing but help. Well, and I'm a, obviously a recruiting guy, so I look at this from the recruiting angle of things. And Scott Booker has a reputation as a very good recruiter, uh, has a lot of connections out there. And even though I know his 
he's going to be more involved with, as being a special teams consultant. There's no question in my mind that he'll also be helping out on the recruiting side of things, and and more than likely, kind of on the the acquisition of talent. You know, the the with the new recruiting department, um, it, more so than the uh, personnel department that that's identifying the talent. So I, I think uh, anytime you can have another you know experienced coach uh, with recruiting connections to help out when kids are on campus, to help build relationships in the recruiting process, and and to have a, another minority coach on top of all of that, um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show, Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus, and it will be interesting, though, this 10th coach thing, because Billy Devaney on another interview said that they had Tavita Thompson kind of earmarked for that. Well, we assumed it was going to happen in May, but the more I hear, the more people I discuss with, it sounds like it's not going to happen now until January, mainly for uh, budgetary reasons of the lower teams in Division One football uh, that don't have that kind of money just stashed away in their budget. I mean, not everybody operates like Nebraska and Ohio State and Michigan where they can just – you know, bring a guy in and and say, "All right, here's another three hundred thousand to the budget." We didn't, you know, we got the money. Who cares? Um, so there's going to be some time from now until that happens, is what it sounds like. I mean, I, I'm really curious, uh, Nate, if if he will be that tenth guy, or or is Tavita still that guy? Is he the backup plan? Um, you know, if I'm Tavita Thompson, I'm kind of like, wait a minute, you're bringing in this guy that was a tight ends coach and a special teams guy. Um, you know, it, it just it just you know, it's kind of like when Dante Williams got hired uh, when Brian Stewart was here still. It's kind of our, our joke from Major League, the movie, Nate, when uh, they're like, I think it's a great idea, Skip, we're carrying three catchers. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to be carrying um, two tight ends coaches. And so it is an interesting uh, addition um, when you just look at it on paper. Yeah, when you look at it on paper, it is interesting. I think it it gives you another option depending on how things shake out. Um, you know, it, I think it's always nice to have a couple different outs. And, and obviously, Tavita Thompson has been the guy uh, that has kind of been – earmarked for that 10th spot I think ever since he came aboard I think there was probably some sort of conversations had not necessarily promises but conversations had you know if you if you come with us to Nebraska and and you you know you spend a couple years as a GA as soon as an opening you know becomes available um, or you know a 10th spot becomes available you can be that guy well now Nebraska's got another out. You know, maybe Tavita Thompson, when when all the tenth assistant stuff comes about, maybe he gets a better opportunity somewhere else. Uh, well, now they've got a guy like Scott Booker that they could possibly elevate, or or you know, look another direction. So really, they're they've got three different options they can go right now, and the deal hasn't even passed. So I, I think that's I think it's a positive all the way around. To be honest with you. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus says. Uh, we're discussing um, a number of things here as Nebraska um, in the midst of, of spring break. Robin, I wanted to ask you just an off-topic basketball question. Craig Smith, uh, your, your friend, uh, former Tim Miles guy, uh, was rumored and even reported to be taking the Drake coaching job, uh, decides to stay at South Dakota another year. Surprised at all um, that he turned down Drake? Uh, I was surprised with just the way it all went down. That made it for a pretty wild Wednesday night. Um, obviously, we knew that he had emerged as kind of one of the finalists, if not the front runner for that job. And um, you know, it, I know it was obviously reported he accepted the job, and then you know, an hour later, he posts on Twitter that you know he's staying at South Dakota. But I do think there was some truth to that. I, I wouldn't. 
I mean, I, I don't know this all for sure, but just reading the tea leaves based off, you know, all the reports and stuff, uh, it sounds like maybe he verbally agreed to the job, came back to South Dakota and gave them a chance to counter. And South Dakota stepped up. Um, you know, he was only making about $190,000 on a one-year contract um, basis. So. Which is less money than assistance that Nebraska made. Exactly. And so you know, I think uh, Drake was going to offer him around 350000 uh, for a multi-year deal. So uh, I think he came back to South Dakota and said, you know, this is what another school is looking to give me. South Dakota, you know, realizing that uh, coming off their first regular season conference championship ever in the Summit League, uh, they needed to keep him. And so they stepped up financially and kept him. And, uh, you know, I think that was the right move, not only for South Dakota, but for Craig as well. How much do you think they gave him? I don't know. I, I would imagine it's somewhere in that territory. I think it's got to be above 300000 but I think more importantly, they probably are going to give him a little bit more long-term security than just operating on a one-year, you know, year And that's a state of South Dakota thing. I mean, they're they're new to the Division One game yeah. in that state, so multi-year coach contracts are not the norm because, I mean, they're, they're, they were Division Two for many, many years, so it, it's just a different deal up there, and uh, they are going to be picked to win the Summit. They're going to have a good team next year, and you know, I think when you look at the va- the Valley, Robin, in general, Wichita State is rumored to be going to the AAC. Mm-hmm. You lose Creighton, you lose Wichita State. All of a sudden, that Drake job isn't near as good of a job. Um, I mean, I would even think if Wichita State leaves the Valley, I mean, CBS probably doesn't even air their championship game anymore in the long run. So I don't know if a Valley job in five years from now is going to look like what it used to look like. Yeah, and I mean, their, their roster was kind of a mess, and so that would have been a, a true rebuilding process. And that's something that, you know, a guy like Craig Smith likes. He likes that challenge, but uh, he's got a lot of good things going for him in South Dakota. They got that brand new arena coming off a great season where they were literally seconds away from making the NCAA tournament. They bring back the bulk of their roster, and I think that they're going to be, like you said, probably one of the uh, favorites to win the win the league and make the big dance next year. All right, well, we're going to talk more basketball later in the show as Tim Miles um, and, and his staff are out recruiting um, a lot going on here um, for them to try to get their last couple spots filled. We'll talk some Husker football recruiting as well. Nate Klaus has over 20 now four-star visitors lined up for the Red-White Spring game. <laughs> Um, and that's just going to be huge. Uh, but next, when we come back, uh, we're going to discuss some more big-picture storylines um, out of spring football as the Huskers sit here in this break. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Ron Washett, Nate Klaus. We are here on spring break as Nebraska not scheduled to practice again until Tuesday, March 28th. So it gives us some time here to catch our breath, clean out our garage, do all that stuff our wives have wanted us to do for the last few months. And uh, I still put mine off. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I I still have a very long list of things that should be accomplished, but probably won't. I'm right there with you, Um, (laughs) especially now that we're about two weeks away of having another addition to the family. I've I've got... Uh, I've got a few things to to accomplish yet on this spring break. If anybody wants to organize my file cabinets, they're welcome to come on over uh, because I, that job needs to be done, and I should do it this week, but I probably won't. So uh, spring break, as, as I mentioned, um, and it's kind of a, a natural talking point of what stood out and um, and kind of what are the questions, what are the position battles. Let's, let's go right to running back first. I, I think that's one of the more intriguing things. Uh, Mike Riley says they kind of know who that leader is. They don't want to say who it is, though, right now. Um, you know, from all accounts and sources I've talked to, Trey Bryant would be the leading guy. But I, I do think Mikel Wilbon has made an interesting 
uh, close on him. And I, I still kind of wonder, guys, what Divino Zigbo's role is going to be where he's at in this picture. Divino Zigbo is probably the most interesting development that we've seen so far this spring because I know a lot of people pegged him as uh, maybe the front runner to win that starting job uh, going into spring, but uh, his reps have come few and far between. Um, and you know, I, we asked Mike Riley after the last practice, you know, if everything was okay with I him. Like when you asked him that, it was like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, and they acted like <laughs> there was nothing wrong with him. It'd be news to me if he was hurt. Well, okay, so uh, what's what's the reasoning then uh, for you know whatever reason? Trey Bryant, Mikael Wilbon, and even some of the walk-ons are getting a lot more reps uh, than you know we've seen from the guy that was projected to be your number one. So something's going on there that is definitely definitely going to be worth monitoring not only over the course of spring but on into fall camp because um you know we, we all know divine is more than capable of being a productive piece in that running back rotation and um, for him to kind of disappear the way he has over the past couple weeks uh, it's definitely kind of a, a red flag in, in a lot of ways yeah, there's got to be something going on there because it back-to-back practices that we were able to watch divino zigbo's in the back of of the pack on it you know taking a knee not even not even really all that engaged, it seemed like. You know, it, to me, it looked like there was he was dealing with an injury of some sort because even some of the reps that he did get earlier in the practice did not seem like his old self. So I don't know how much stock I put into <laughs> Coach Riley saying yeah. that there's nothing wrong there because when you're seeing guys, and not to take anything away from an Austin Rose or a Wyatt Mazur and, and these guys because they're actually pretty pretty decent running backs, but – when they're getting way more carries and reps in practice than Divine of Zigbo, something, something's going well, on. Well, you know, and I think they need him. This theory of, like, you can just have one running back take 30 carries. You need multiple guys. Um, so I think they need all three of these guys. And, you know, when you think about guys, though, that are attractive transfer options, so Zigbo would be somebody I think people would go after because he has a redshirt year. Um, he'd, he'd still have two years to play. So you just wonder if, like, if he's not in the plans – what his wheels, how they'd be spinning after this spring, because um, I think in his mind and a lot of people's mind, as you mentioned, Robin, people thought he could be the starter. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of time for things to play out here. I mean, maybe he is dealing with an injury and Mike Riley just didn't know about it. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, the, we'll see kind of how this plays out, especially, you know, on into fall. Um, you, know, you know, if he's still kind of being the odd man out in that rotation, especially in a situation where Nebraska's running backs, I don't think any of those guys is really going to be the clear-cut bell cow. I think it's going to be a heavy rotation depending on the situation, the the down and distance, the, the package they're in. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's going to have – all those guys are going to have opportunities. And so, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to hold off judgment of, you know, whether this is a, a sign that Divino Zigbo is going to be moving on because he's being phased out of the rotation. All right, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan around Washington, Nate Klaus, as we discuss storylines here over spring break uh, that we'll be keeping our eyes on. I want to move over now to the offensive line. Um, I, I think that, you know, everybody just wants answers. When we talk to fans in our weekly chats or wherever we, you know, deal with people, I think people are like, is the line back? Do they have the guys to be better? Well, they return five guys that have starting experience, and they bring up three or four more players that could help. Um, I think the depth is there, but um, I'll tell you, I've been really impressed with the physical gains Michael Decker has made, um, finished third on the, in the team in bench press. If you look at the picture of him that we had in our story this week that I wrote about Michael Decker, 
I mean, Rob Zadica, the former Husker All-American or All-Big Gate offensive lineman, said Michael Decker apparently locked the weight room and hogged the weights all winter. I mean, he has made huge gains. Uh, Nate, that's one with him and John Raritan. Uh, a lot of us thought Raritan would win that job, but Decker's here to play, it looks like. Yeah, tip of the hat to Michael Decker because he has completely pulled a 180 from where he was a year ago, uh, I mean, even last summer, um, you know, he he was dealing with some some different issues and and seemed you know didn't even seem like he was he wasn't around for some of the workouts. Yeah, it wasn't didn't even seem like he was all that involved with the team. Uh, so for him to to completely turn it around and to look the way he is looking physically and to be playing at, at a very high level right now is very impressive because. Um, I'm one of those people that thought John Raritan would eventually, you know, supplant Michael Decker and, and really kind of be the guy at center, not just in the, the near future, but, you know, going forward for, for basically the rest of his career. So, um, you know, tip of the hat to Michael Decker. And, and that's still going to be an exciting competition to, to watch. But I think Decker might have this one. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Still have my concerns about tackle, Robin. I mean, Nick Gates and Neville and Cole Conrad have all started and played games. Uh, but has that been at a level high enough to win? And uh, when they've played the elite teams, I think it's been exposed. When you play Ohio State, you play Tennessee, um, Wisconsin's, um, you're going to play NFL pass rushers. Uh, when you play Minnesotas and Maryland's and, and those types of teams, you're not going to play NFL pass rushers. And they've held up well in those games. But when you play the best, um, and that's where Nebraska wants to be, they haven't been able to hold up. And and uh, I think that's still something we don't really know kind of where that tackle position is at this spring. Yeah, and especially with you know some of the issues that we've seen Nick Gates have. I mean, uh, with the way that last season ended for him, um, you know, his confidence took a major hit with what Derek Barnett uh, did to him in that game. Um, and it was there were even some stuff going into that. I mean, obviously he played most of the season with a bum ankle, but uh, he did not look like himself um, in the second half of the season. And I think that that stuck with him a little bit um, going into the off season. Uh, and, you know, he he's kind of lost some of that that fire that that made him as good as he was to, uh, early on in his career. And so this off season is going to be critical for him uh, to get that swagger back, get that belief in himself back, and put that Tennessee game out of his memory uh, because we all know that he can be an extremely good player. You don't get the type of national and you know conference recognition that he's gotten uh, without being able to to play at that level. So uh, it's just a matter of you know the, above the shoulders. You know, get, getting this stuff right between his ears and um, getting back to the player that we know he's capable of being. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was one of the 11 captains named by the team. In yes. This. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, that, position that, group had one, right? Uh, no. Well, there's several. I mean, it's just 11 different captains yeah. that had a separate team. But I think that's one of the positives, though, here. Even though he's clearly struggled with some things, I, I think it's a positive that his teammates still voted him as one of the 11 offseason captains this winter that, that had a, was in charge of a team of guys and everything. So, um, yeah, I, I think, like Robin was saying, though, this spring is crucial for him to kind of snap out of whatever funk he may have been in and, and to have a very, very strong summer. Uh, heading into to next fall because of the the lack of depth there, and there's a couple guys you know you've got a Matt Farniak, um, you know who's got a lot of potential, but is obviously a completely unknown um, player right now at this point in time. Nate Brandon Hymas, like he's not ready probably to play right away, but he's by year two could make a big move, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like a guy like Brandon Hymas 
you know, obviously, I always feel like every offensive and defensive lineman, for that matter, is probably best served to redshirt. But a guy like Brendan Hymas playing at a program like Lake Travis, which is a powerhouse program in, in 5A Texas high school football, um, and he's been coached very, very well. He's going to come to campus very technically sound, um, you know, in about 6'5", 6'6", 275, 280 pounds, um, you know, but uh, I think he could be a guy as a redshirt freshman that, that sees some time, and, and he's a left tackle. They recruited him to play that left tackle spot and to to eventually, you know, take over that that position. Nate, couldn't you make a case he might have been the best offensive tackle in the state of Texas last year? Uh, I mean, top five, probably. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he won a state championship. He's he's been again. I mean, he was he was downright dominant at a very high level of football. And and this is a player who's not just dominating two hundred pound defensive ends. He was facing Division One uh, defensive ends, Division One defensive linemen week in and week out, and and was had a dominant season. So um, yeah, I would say I don't know if he would say, or I don't know if I would call him the the very best offensive tackle in the state but top five for sure but when you're talking about a state that signs you know 300 players division one that's that's pretty darn elite company all right when we come back we're going to shift over to basketball tim miles and his staff are still trying to fill some spots they've been very active on the recruiting trail we're gonna get the latest on the roster next from robin washett you're listening to the husker online show This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, around Washington, as we're going to dedicate a little time here to basketball recruiting. At one point, we thought basketball recruiting was basically done as the Huskers didn't really have any spots to give um, as they had them both filled up. Uh, But now, uh, with some attrition, two players leaving um, for Nebraska, Dryah Horn, Nick Fuller, uh, all of a sudden, Robin, Nebraska's got uh, some late recruiting here. Uh, what can you share with us here on kind of how things have shaken out? Well, they're testing uh, several different uh, outlets to, to try and find you know a couple new uh, pieces to the puzzle for next year. Um, you know, obviously they've got a couple of high school uh, players that unsigned seniors that um, they're still targeting. Uh, Mark Smith, uh, the kid from Edwardsville, Illinois. Um, the Illinois Mr. Basketball Gatorade Player of the Year, four-star, top 100 kid. He's he's priority number one. Uh, he's the guy that they want more than anybody. But uh, unfortunately, basically the rest of the Big Ten and several other high majors are, are in just as big of a need for him as well. So uh, Nebraska's still working to try and schedule a visit with him. Uh, but I talked to him uh, earlier this week, and you know he said he's got a great relationship with Tim Miles and Jim Molinari, um, and is you know still kind of working out the uh, you know, potentially making his way to Lincoln for a visit. So that's kind of where things stand with them. Um, and then uh, also there's been a couple new uh, developments on the junior college front. Um, Nebraska extended a couple offers to some pretty uh, high-scoring, high-volume scoring, high scoring uh, guards. Um, the first one uh, is a kid named Zach Copeland uh, from San Francisco City College. Um, he's a sophomore with two years of eligibility uh, remaining. Uh, when he goes to his next school, he averaged 18 points a game. And here's the most important part about it. Shot 47.7% from three-point range, 86% from the free throw line. So uh, a scorer in every sense of the word, and um, that is clearly a need. And you know that's the same um, kind of characteristics of the other guy they offered, Chris Darrington. Um, I'm going to butcher this name. Vin- Vincennes, V-I-N-C-E-N-N-E-S, University out in Indiana. 
He's another high volume scorer. Twenty. That's a junior college in Indiana. Yeah, it's a, it's a university. Yeah. Do anyway. Average twenty one points a game, shooting forty four percent from three point range, eighty percent from the line. So uh, Nebraska has a very specific mold of player that they're looking for for one of these spots. And um, you know, I think that they're going to get a guard at some point. That they've made that clear. And then after that, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the graduate transfer market they get a big somehow, some guy that can come in immediately, um, you know, provide some depth in the post and make an immediate impact. So uh, that's kind of where things stand right now. Um, obviously, you know, the offers are out now. Uh, they got to work on starting to get some visits lined up. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washed, uh, as we discuss Nebraska basketball stuff. Any word on Dry Horn more? I know uh, initially you and Eric Bossy kind of broke that story. Uh, any shakeup on where he's going to go and, and anything new or Nick Fuller even for that matter? Yeah, Nick Fuller, uh, I don't know. He's going to go somewhere probably at a lower level um, to where he can you know get more minutes and kind of make the most out of his final year. Uh, I would love to see him go to South Dakota. I think Does he, he have an offer on the table? Uh, I don't, Not that I know of, but Craig Smith recruited him. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's a relationship there already, uh, and I think that he would do really well uh, in that system. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, with Jariah, you know, still kind of testing the waters um, on all that. But there are a couple of interesting developments that uh, if you kind of follow along and read some of the tea leaves uh, of s- some potential suitors, one of them, which I think is maybe the most interesting, is Pepperdine. Um, Pepperdine was one of his final five when he was coming out of high school, and he even took an official visit there. Uh, he's got friends that, that play on the team there, so there are some connections there that I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, not only would he have go and be able to you know play a, a significant role there but you know you're living in probably the most gorgeous campus <laughs> uh, in, all, in all division one so uh, that's an option and I know Notre Dame has shown some interest um, but I, I think I think there's it's going to be not a, I don't think he's going to go to a high major um, at this point I think if anything he's going to go to you know a school like a Pepperdine or he could also potentially go the Juco route and then kind of you know show what he can do on a smaller skate stage uh, and then kind of reevaluate his reevaluate his options elsewhere you're listening here to the Oscar online show Sean Callahan or I'll watch it um, you know then transfers uh, Nebraska you know clearly will be in the market as well to maybe add whether it's a graduate transfer or just a straight up transfer uh, clearly you, you, everybody prefers a, a graduate transfer situation um, if there's a good one out there those are harder to come by um, but I mean do you fully anticipate another transfer coming on board I do I, I, and again I think that they're if they're going to get a grad transfer it's going to be a, a big that can come in and help right away and unfortunately the staff is not in a position where I think they can afford to take a, a guy that has to sit out a year uh, I mean obviously that's nice when you can get they may know, not even get him yeah exactly you know that you can basically just have him sit on the bench for you but um, it's nice to get a James Palmer Isaac Copeland Anton Gill all those types of guys but they need players that can help right away next season so that's why I think that um, it will be a graduate transfer someone that can come in and produce right away somebody that's already built to compete in the Big Ten uh, and can give them you know a significant impact right off the bat yeah Anton Gill like I mean everyone had high hopes for him but he got off to kind of a bad start I mean he had one good game against Dayton I think and that was really it um, but do you do you think he could actually be a factor next year? Uh, there's still a chance. I mean, I still think he's talented enough to, to be, um, you know, an impact on this team. But uh, you're talking about a guy that's coming off a very significant knee injury. And so how his recovery uh, comes off of that is going to determine it as much as anything. And then even if he is healthy, uh, he's got to get out of his own head. 
that was the one thing that held him back uh, this past year was he had so much pressure that he put on himself to live up to these standards of being, you know, the, the leading scorer, the impact transfer that he never quite got comfortable and he never really found his role. And, um, you know, it, it made for a pretty frustrating start to his career. Um, and, you know, that, that really was a big blow for Nebraska because they were counting on him uh, to, to produce at a very high level. And then when, you know, you're getting minimal output like that uh, from a guy that you're, you know, relying so heavily upon, that really kind of, you know, impacts everything else around him. So uh, the hope is, you know, they're keeping their fingers crossed that he can bounce back physically first and foremost. But then after that, then he can regain that confidence and become the player that he was, you know, when he was a top 50 recruit coming out of high school. And as we wrap it up with Robin Washington, anything on the in-state front, Robin? I mean, whether Brady Hyman, um, uh, Ed Chang, I mean, do you see any movement at all, any interest? I mean, if you were to kind of handicap uh, things out there for the future for Husker fans to watch locally. Is there any storylines that you see right now? Yeah, Brady Hyman's probably maybe one of the more interesting ones. I mean, he's a 2018 kid, so um, yeah, he's got some time to, to further grow. Uh, but, he, I mean, anytime you get a kid that's pushing seven foot tall, um, who's getting – you know, interest from, you know, Nebraska, from Creighton. I think he's got an offer from UNO. Uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on. He's still got a lot of work to do with his strength and conditioning. I mean, he's about as wiry as it gets, but um, I think that they, you, they see the physical potential there. And, um, you know, you, the, the same thing could was said about Elliot Eliason. I don't know if you remember him uh, from back in the day. Uh, he ended up going to Minnesota and ended his career as the all-time leading rebounder at Minnesota. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's the type of ceiling the Brady has, but I think that he could be that type of player that, um, you know, Nebraska has had its share of in-state misses. And when you get a, a seven-footer for a team that needs all the post-step they can get, uh, I think Nebraska, they've already evaluated him. Uh, he's been on several unofficial visits. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a, a line of communication there, and I guess depends on what happen, that happens this summer. Um, maybe maybe an offer will follow. And I'm going to just throw this out. Akoya Gow transferring again. Any any chance he'd come to Nebraska? I doubt it. And I don't know that that's that's still in the works. Uh, he hasn't got his release from Georgetown yet, but that is the rumor. It's a mess there with John Thompson yeah, Jr. or the third, excuse me. I mean, yeah, the like, third. Pretty much they need to make a move, but they won't. The shadow of yes. big John Thompson's over that program and 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 they they won't make a move there. So I think it's, you know, running off a lot of good players like I Copeland and, yeah. and a gal now and I mean it's it's interesting it, it'd be like if Tom Osborne's kid was coaching Nebraska football and like they just wouldn't be able to fire him so it's a train wreck there and so yeah Coy is potentially looking at making his third transfer of his career she, um, she should have just went to Nebraska I know to get going. I know there are a lot of people that think that but uh, uh one potential uh destination that, that I've heard is maybe TCU um so who knows but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just definitely kind of one of those, you know, frustrating, you know, what ifs that uh, had he come to Nebraska, you know, what, what difference could that have made not only for his career, but for Nebraska. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson will join us next. You're listening to the Husker Online show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as it's our spring break edition. And unfortunately, Matt Reynoldson, our Husker Online intern, is not joining us from uh, Daytona or Cabo. He's joining us here from South Lincoln in the uh, 
Husker Online Studios. Matt, your spring breaks in Lincoln, man. You know what? South Lincoln is tropical this time of year. I'm feeling, you know, soaking up the sun. It's a good time. Well, we got a full mailbag. Um, a lot more serious questions this week uh, within the mailbag. Uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's chock full today. So starting off, what position coach has impressed you guys so far this spring? I mean, I, I really like... I guess when you're just talking new guys, Diaco is an obvious one, but Elliot, I, I, I've just been very impressed with just his leadership and steady hand that he brings. And Dante Williams, I, I think both these defensive coaches they've brought uh, just from the initial look have been great additions. I'm going to go with Trent Bray. There was probably not a guy that was put in a more awkward situation than on the entire staff than Trent and for him to handle this whole situation the way that he has with just pure professionalism pure class um, totally embracing um, a completely different role uh, you got to really tip your hat to him and it kind of just shows the character that he has not only as a coach but a, as a person and so uh, I think that he's you know he's embracing this as an opportunity to learn even more um, from Bob Diaco and uh, I think he's making the best out of a situation that a lot of people you know might not take very well. Yeah, I, I agree with all those guys. I'm going to go with Dante Williams. It's it's fun to watch him. He's, he's kind of uh, the defensive version of Keith Williams. He's out there every single play or after every rep, uh, coaching his guys up, actually showing the guys the technique. Uh, you know, he's not a guy to tell you what you did wrong or what you're doing right. He'll actually show you um, what needs to be done, and I think that's one thing that's really impressed me about him. Next question in the mailbag. What percentage of improvement, if any, are you giving the offensive line? I just think it's too early to say. I mean, everybody wants answers. Where are they at? How much better is this line? Do they have the depth? Well, I think just with six practices with no really live work as far as to-the-ground tackling, um, you can't make a lot of just blanket statements. I I think the depth has improved. Uh, When you add Bo Wilson, Decker, Raritan, Farniak, to the other guys they already returned, the five players that have starting experience. But to me, I just think it's way too early to say one way or the other that the line is back. I think it's trending in the right direction, though. Yeah, you won't know until they actually start playing real football on either side of the line uh, how much improvement has been made. But uh, by default, from an experience factor, they should be better. I mean, you're returning five guys with starting experience. You got a redshirt freshman class that spent a year uh, kind of, you know, building, you know, not only their strength, but their kind of, um, you know, mental grasp of the offense. So, I mean, you would think just kind of naturally they would be an improved unit. But. Uh, this was a, an offensive line that really, really struggled, especially down the stretch um, towards the end of last season. And, um, you know, the, there's reason to you know, question, um, you know, just how, how big of a room for improvement they actually had to do this offseason. Yeah, I like the improved depth, but uh, like Sean said, it's too, it's too early to tell. We haven't really seen um, a whole lot. I mean, I think we'll get a much better feel for things once we actually see the, a scrimmage or two. Um, you know, d- tackle still kind of concerns me. The, the depth at tackle uh, is... Is, is still pretty thin, and, and there's a lot of unknowns there. So that's what I'm looking at. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klausworth, Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson taking your questions here in the mailbag. Sticking with the offensive line theme, Nate, you mentioned uh, tackle being a concern, and Nick Gates really struggled in the last game of the year, and we've heard that that really got him down over the offseason. Has that motivated him to this point? It's hard to tell, but just from our observations we've been able to make he looks lighter as far as weight goes and he was never a guy that really needed to lose weight he was always kind of on the lighter end of tackle size Um, so that is something 
we're all going to be watching closely because I think when you have a quarterback like Tanner Lee or Patrick O'Brien that's going to sit in the pocket, no position is more important on this offensive line than left tackle. Yeah, and as Nate mentioned, you know they don't have the luxury of uh, you know having very many options at tackle, so they need Nick Gates to be Nick Gates. Uh, we know how good of a player he can be. Um, and I mean, there, there's a reason they were talking about him potentially looking at the NFL at the end of last season. So um, they need him to get back to that level without question about it. Not only uh, just how important of a piece he is in this line, but just because of the depth uh, and the, really the lack of options behind him if he does struggle. Yeah, there's something that has taken place following that that Tennessee game. I think it's pretty clear to see that he is kind of a different player, and and I don't know if if uh, you know it was just kind of a mental deal uh, dealing with dealing with that after the way that things played out. But um, yeah, you hope that that Nick Gates comes back um, and has a strong summer and and really is able to put that Tennessee game out of his mind for good. Question about the staff following up. If Scott Booker is hired, is he slated for the administrative staff or an actual coach? I'd heard that he was going to be a special teams consultant in the least. Uh, this to, to me, this smells two things. Bob Diaco and Bob Elliott going to bat for a guy and a possible 10th coach addition to the staff. And from what it sounds like, the 10th coach thing, as we talked about earlier in the show, may not even happen until January, but it just seems like when you have a guy that's been a, what, three- or four-year paid assistant at Notre Dame, not a GA, not an intern, but he was on the staff. He was fired this year. Um, but that's a pretty qualified guy just to bring in to put it on a desk in an office. Yeah, he's going to be an administrative role for for now. How long that is going to be, I don't know. But uh, he's definitely going to be special teams consultant, and I'm sure that he'll have at least some sort of role uh, with uh, with recruiting. You got to tip your hat to Nebraska on this one. It's another example of them kind of showing they're willing to do the things necessary to compete with the Alabamas of the world. And getting a guy with uh, a resume like Booker's to come in and, you know, whatever his role may be, um, just to add another football mind uh, that's going to have ideas, you know, have input, um, you know, whatever it may be, I think is it kind of shows that, you know, Nebraska's willing to do what it's going to take to compete with the best of the best. And I think that we'll probably see more and more moves like this down the road to, um, you know, try and get, you know, former, I don't know how long it's going to be until they get former offensive coordinators and whatnot to serve as, you know, consultants. But, uh, you the know, Nick least... Saban coaching rehab clinic exactly. where he takes guys that screw up and rehabs their careers. But at least this is, you know, a sign that, you know, Nebraska is willing to do, you know, all, anything necessary to compete. Switching gears to recruiting now, Colson Yankoff, a Rivals 250 dual threat quarterback, um, kind of surprisingly committed to Washington this week. Who's the next QB Nebraska sets their sights on? Well, I think Tanner McKee is at the top of that list. They've already offered him. He's already visited once. He's planning on coming back again at some point this spring or summer. But, um, you know, I think it's probably with Yankoff off the board now, It's we're probably going to see another offer or two go out at quarterback. Uh, and it will probably be out to Tyler Shaw out of Arizona or Brevin White, who's coming in for the spring game. Brevin White was at Nebraska's initial um, satellite camp out in Santa Monica a few years ago. Uh, they are very familiar with him. He's, he's in the Rivals 250, uh, so there's definitely some interest there, uh, and, he, and he's coming in for the spring game. So I think that's probably the guy to, to kind of keep an eye on, uh, or both those guys to kind of keep an eye on as far as new offers. And we'll talk more about the recruiting of the quarterbacks, but it is important um, in our next segment, but it is important that they get a guy. I mean, some people have tweeted at me, oh, they don't even need one. Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah, you, you got to take one you every gotta year. you got to get one every year. All right, we got time for one more 
question here, Matt. Well, I got to give a shout out to my guy. I rule the school because he posts a question every week in the mailbag, and I never read them. But here's one for him. What's your bold prediction for Bob Diaco's first defense at Nebraska? Bold prediction. Um, that's a tough one to say early on. Um, because there's just still so many unknowns, but I think they're just going to play with more swagger and more personality. I think oftentimes defenses take on the personality of their coach. Um, we saw that in 03 when Bo Pelini came here. I think you're going to see something like that with Diaco, where this defense will take on more of a personality uh, and a swagger that we see Bob Diaco have. I think they're probably going to force more turnovers. How many more? I don't know. But that is clearly uh, the point of emphasis in everything they do. Anytime a ball is put on the ground, even if a receiver catches it, runs 15 yards, and then drops it on the ground, the defense runs to it and picks it up as if it were a fumble. So from day one, they've established the mentality of creating turnovers, you know, taking the ball away. So, um, you know, like I said, I don't know how bold I'm going to get with the number of turnovers they're going to force, but it will be an increase from last year. Yeah, I don't think I really have a number in mind as far as making a bold prediction in, in terms of total defense or turnovers, but we're definitely going to see a huge change in the way that the defense is playing. They may not always be in the right spot or, or be doing exactly, you know, uh, you know, things by the book, but I feel like they're going to be giving a, a ton more effort and be playing with a lot more energy for sure. All right, Matt, we'll let you get back to the beach here and enjoy your spring break. <laughs> Going to the uh, the YMCA pool for your spring break or yeah, anything something, exciting? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> right, well, that wraps it up here for this edition of the Mailbag. When we come back, we'll uh, close the show. We'll talk some recruiting, more thoughts from Nate Klaus on Yankoff's decision and where Nebraska goes next at the quarterback position. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we do it every week, we close out with some recruiting and kind of a negative uh, storyline here for Nebraska to start off uh, the recruiting segment. Uh, Nebraska had long been targeting Colson Yankoff, the four-star quarterback out of Idaho. Uh, Danny Langsdorf really has spent as much time on him as any quarterback for this 2018 cycle uh, going out to Idaho over the winter, I think going to one of his basketball games, and it looked like Nebraska was going to get him in for a visit, and they very much were in contention. Well, out of nowhere, on Wednesday night, um, his high school publicly announces that Colson committed to Washington, which you know doesn't make it makes sense because Idaho to Washington geography wise, and Washington played in the college football playoffs, but this just really wasn't on the radar for very many people, Nate. No, it really wasn't, and it was kind of. Uh... You know, it was interesting how everything played out because you're right. Danny Langsdorf poured a lot of time and energy uh, into recruiting Colson Yankoff. He had definitely emerged as probably the the number one target of the staff, along with Tanner McKee out of Corona Centennial High School in California. But um, I mean, Langsdorf went out to Idaho pretty much every week that you could be out on the road during. During the uh, uh, during the contact period of, of December and January, I know he hit up at least two of his basketball games, maybe three games total, um, and uh, and like I said, had been really kind of emerged as the well, top guy. He, he even has a place in Idaho. I was told. Langsdorf like I mean he's got connections there and has a house up there still yeah so I mean and when I was when I talked with Yankoff uh, just I don't know a handful of days ago. 
Washington really wasn't on the radar. He he really didn't mention much of anything about Washington to me. Um, you could tell though that he was playing things very close to the vest. Was not you know every answer that he gave was pretty calculated. It didn't really want to give a whole lot away. Um, you know would not reveal any visit plans to me. Although he said he had some had an idea of you know where he wanted to go or when he wanted to take some trips and. Uh, but really, Washington never really came up, so it, it, they did come as somewhat of a surprise. But the good thing is now that now that he's off the board, I guess you know Nebraska can kind of move on. Tanner McKee remains top target, uh, and you do have a couple other guys now that that could probably get offers. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and now it's they kind of move on here um, and look at some other guys. Brevin White's another one that will be here for the Red White game, Nate. And I find it very interesting. I wrote this in the three two one this week. He too was at the um, the uh, satellite camp in Santa Monica back in two thousand fifteen with Patrick O'Brien and Jebbia. They have not yet offered him, but I think a lot of that was maybe where they were at with other quarterbacks. He's a top two fifty quarterback. He's coming for the spring game. What are the chances an offer comes to Brevin White, and 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 do you think it's good news that he's coming in for the spring game? Well, obviously, it's good news that he's coming into the spring game. I think anytime you can get a, a top two fifty quarterback on your campus, um, you know, is on on their own dime. I think that's a good thing, and uh, especially now that maybe there's some movement on that quarterback board, um, this could be an opportunity uh, to offer him in person, make it a little bit more of a bigger deal uh, to get that offer. Now, the staff like you mentioned they've known about Bradman White for a long time um, going back to that 2015 satellite camp out in Santa Monica California uh, his brother is at Arizona State they they briefly recruited his brother um, so they've known this family for an awful long time Brevin White actually played at Chaminade uh, High School in West Hills uh, California last year with TJ Pledger uh, who's arguably their top running back uh, prospect that they're after so there's some connections here you know it could be interesting to see what happens if they do go ahead and offer him um, you know how that kind of shakes up his recruitment or and if he maybe jumps on that because this is the time of year where every top college program in the country wants to wrap up their quarterback they want to get their guy locked up and and kind of have them be part of the cornerstone of each class going forward here. Um, so you, there's going to be a lot of movement here over the next couple months, uh, quarterback recruiting-wise. And uh, I definitely think Brevin White could be one of those guys that, uh, that Nebraska does target and, and offers. He's 6'2", about 180, 185, 190-pound kid. Uh, strong arm, very accurate on the deep ball, and is mobile. He's pretty mobile. Good, you know, He's a good athlete. Well, so. for a freshman in high school when we were in Santa Monica that Friday night uh, a couple years ago, he was incredible for his age. And it just, I mean, it'd be a amazing if all three of their quarterbacks came from that one camp I, I mean there's like 60 kids there and, and three of them could be Husker quarterbacks eventually yeah it is, it is pretty incredible and and all all three of those quarterbacks you know Patrick O'Brien was an elite 11 guy who was a four-star uh, quarterback uh you know Tristan Jebbia was the best quarterback in, in the state of California last year shattered all sorts of state records as a four-star and then all of a sudden Brevin White now is a, is a top 250 California quarterback so that would be pretty incredible we could do like our own like 30 for 30 on that Friday <laughs> night and I mean it was one of those nights I'll, I'll never forget it honestly I mean just there wasn't a lot of kids there but it was just the talent and it was just so organic and I mean kids were just playing football and 
uh, Mike Riley was so excited and happy you could just sense him. I and mean, then you look at it now, that, that was a big Friday night camp for Nebraska out in Santa Monica. Yeah, it was. It really was. And I think, you know, you had guys like uh, Matt Moore was out there watching, um, was watching that, that camp and everything. Um, that was by far, I think, the best satellite camp that summer, even though that was the smallest. I, I think the quality of player there uh, at that camp was by far and away the the best, um, you know, from top to bottom, given the numbers. So, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Now, spring game weekend, Nate, April 15th, we mentioned Brevin White. I mean, it's almost like you have to do kind of like a double take when you see this list. I mean, is this like a realistic list? But Nebraska has 28 or excuse me, uh, 24 star visitors confirmed for 2018. 20. Yeah, 20. <laughs> and uh, over 30 players on campus that have Husker offers. Um, not only would that be a Nebraska record by far. I mean, I don't even know if they've had, have they, have they ever had 20 that you know of? No. I mean, to, let's put this into perspective. Last year, I thought was probably the most talented uh, spring game visitor list that I had seen ever. Um, in, in there were 12 kids who had offers from Nebraska. And I think, I think eight of those kids were four-star rated recruits. Uh, and so now was that was the best, you know, from top to bottom. That was by far the best, I think, uh, talent that was on campus for a spring game. Um, you know, there were, there may have been one other spring game weekend that even came close to that, and it was it was in the Callahan era. The first the first one when like Harrison Beck and all those guys ended up committing out of it. Is that the one you're thinking of, or would there been one after that? Yeah, I think that's the one I'm thinking of, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, to have 24 stars on campus, um, you know, I and think that could still grow, right? Yeah, it's still growing. There's still there's still guys who I'm talking with. And are, are we counting Cam Jer- uh, Cam Jurgens and, and and those guys would be included in that number too, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, there's a guy like uh, like Isaac uh, Stewart Taylor, um, you know, who's a, a rivals 100 cornerback out of out of California. He's he's told me that he's 80 percent sure that he's coming. He's just trying to to you know iron out some of the travel logistics with his parents um you know there's still uh, a lot of st louis guys like a trevor trout um you know mario goodrich uh out of kansas city i mean there's there's a a handful of four-star rated guys who are pretty sure they're coming they just are still trying to iron out uh travel logistics so it's it's incredible when you look at all the talent that's going to be on campus and not just 2018 talent but the, the 2019 class, you've got you got five guys, five or six guys coming in that 2019 class that Nebraska has offered, um, and that are going to be you know top 100 type prospects in the entire country. Um, you know, especially a guy like Grant Gunnell out of uh, out of Houston, Texas, who's uh, who could be a top two or three quarterback in the entire nation in that 2019 class. This will be the second trip uh, or second time he's been in Lincoln since December. So uh, you have to feel pretty good about that. Uh, I mean, how did it all come together? Because, I mean, there was a point where we were like, God, there's nobody confirmed yet. And then all of a sudden it turned into like 30 guys in like a day. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like we were kind of not concerned, but like, gosh, nobody's got their invites yet like they better get on this then all of a sudden the blink of the eye and and look at where they're at now well I think the seed had obviously been planted for with a lot of these guys about heading to Nebraska for the spring game and then once those invites went out Nebraska flooded you know all their all their top targets with uh, with graphics and, and invites you know both in the mail and and via you know email or social media you know, all these guys started receiving the these spring game invites and 
Um, and all of a sudden, a lot of it too, though, has been created by some of the players that had confirmed that they were visiting right away. A guy like Bookie Radley Hiles here is uh, has really been kind of coordinating quite a bit behind the scenes and getting a lot of these players to to visit Nebraska, even though he's not committed to Nebraska. He he was at Nebraska's spring game last year. This will be the fourth time that he's visited Nebraska over the last. Uh, last year, going back to last year's spring game, so um, and he's been uh, he's been coordinating quite a bit and telling a lot of these top players about the experience that he's had when he's visited Lincoln and and how he likes the coaching staff and so on and so forth. And you know, T.J. Pledger, who's arguably Nebraska's top running back target, recruited or uh, tweeted just the other night that that Bookie Radley Hiles deserves Recruiter of the Year already. So um, there's a lot going on here, not just with the coaching staff. But but with kids themselves kind of creating a, a little bit of a buzz about this weekend. Well, Nate, it's going to be fun to, to see this all come together. Uh, I know your wife has actually scheduled her birth uh, of your <laughs> newest daughter around the spring game, so Husker Nation can enjoy your recruiting updates. Yep. So that that is a quote-unquote rival's wife right there, as your wife <laughs> likes to say on social media. But uh, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.